Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this session of the Adelaide Festival of Ideas, Artists Without Borders. I'm Lee Cumberledge, the co-founder and co-creative director of Illuminate Adelaide. So welcome. Um, Artists Without Borders. So I'll first uh, perhaps introduce uh, our panel. This, this session uh, is really focused on uh, what it is to co collaborate internationally uh, in, in, a, in the time of a pandemic with closed borders. Uh, and so we're thrilled to have with us today our very special guests uh, from Montreal uh, Moment Factory, together with members of the Illuminate Adelaide team, to talk about uh, Light Cycles, our big international uh, project in the Botanic Gardens, as a kind of case study for, for, for this idea. Uh, so with me today I've got Rachel Azapardi, my co-founder and co-creative director of Illuminate Adelaide. I have uh, Matthew Granger from Moment Factory, the producer at Moment Factory. Uh, I have Chris Petrides, who's uh, an Adelaide-based lighting and video designer, uh, but also the creative and technical designer for Illuminate Adelaide, who's led uh, the, the process of the creative development of this, this piece from the Illuminate Adelaide side. Uh, and on the far left, uh, Gabrielle Pontbriand, who's the creative director at Moment Factory uh, and the creative uh, genius behind a lot of what you see in the Botanic Gardens uh, at the moment with light cycles. So, welcome. So, how did this project come about? Well, it'd be good to sort of uh, go into a bit of the background of how this happened. Rachel and I have been working on Illuminate Adelaide for almost three years now as a concept. Uh, we both moved back to Adelaide around that time independently and really wanted to start uh, a new event in the wintertime for Adelaide. Uh, and so we started to conspire about what that might look like. And of course, we had you know, huge grandiose plans about a massive international program. It was all over the city, in all the venues. Uh, you know, we, we really wanted to do something that was unique for Adelaide. So we, we had both been very impressed and taken with all of the developments in uh, the creative industries that have been happening in Adelaide while we were uh, living elsewhere, but also the future technology, uh, the developments in science uh, and research and um, artificial intelligence, uh, the space agency moving in. So we really felt like the whole idea of art, music, light, technology, how these things come together and how we could bring them into the public domain was how we would make this event uh, a unique event for South Australia. And uh, in doing that, in putting together the concept, we, uh, we needed to convince the stakeholders in the city that, that we could do this, so we needed to present to government. And we did all of that uh, by the end of 2019 uh, in an entirely different world, as it turned out. So by the time uh, we'd done that and we thought, this is looking good, everybody seems to be supportive of this idea, uh, the pandemic hit. Uh, and then we started to think, well, maybe this wouldn't be possible. Maybe we wouldn't be able to, to do this. Maybe this idea of an international program was not going to work at this time. But much to our delight and surprise, um, the government did come on board as a big supporter of, of our idea and were able to continue. But then, having promised all of, all of that, a big international program, uh, we were faced with the challenge of how to do that with, international board, with our international border here closing and borders everywhere <coughs> closing around the world. Um, so we immediately had to adapt how we might put a program together in that reality, uh, but we just couldn't shake this idea of how we might work with uh, big international companies. So I might start by asking uh, my colleague Rachel um, to tell a bit 
more of the story about how we identified um, the idea of this project in the Botanic Gardens, but also how we um, were able to continue with the idea of working with a company like Moment Factory. Thanks. So, yeah, when, when we started to dream up um, Illuminate Adelaide, it was very important for us to, um, you know, do something in the Botanic Gardens. That was a space that we wanted to uh, create a magical experience. And so we did a lot of research um, and we just kept coming up. Um, well, I just kept watching hour after hour of the Illumina uh, series that the, um, these guys do around the world. And it was just so captivating. And Lee and I talked about it and dreamt Imagine bringing that to Adelaide. You know, it, it, it's an exclusive. They'd never been to Australia. And that was sort of pre-COVID. Um, so we, we went down the track and we uh, started talking to the company um, sort of just sort of very um, slowly. And then everything sort of tumbled along. Um, we found ourselves in, in, in the COVID area. We, even then we thought there's no way, even in a year, I think it was a year and a half, we'll still be where we are. <laughs> So we just kept going because we thought um, we won't be there, we can keep going with this idea, but it soon became apparent that uh, we were maybe going to be in that realm. So we started talking with them when, when it was um, actually announced and we, we actually knew that we were going ahead um, with this project and the Moment Factory guys were so open to working, how can we make it happen? So it's just been a journey of, of trust and conversation and communication. It was a very different way for them to work, but we wanted something for Adelaide, for Illuminate Adelaide, that was just groundbreaking and fantastic. So we just kept going along and along, having conversations, and it just became more and more possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I think it would be great also, because Moment Factory, Matthew, Moment Factory is a is a, a global company, really, mm -hmm. isn't it? It works all over the world. I can't imagine what, uh, you know, the, the senior people in the company were thinking once the pandemic hit uh, as a threat to the work that you do everywhere. Can you tell yeah. us a bit about that and maybe then also um, give us a bit of a run-through of how the project then developed from Moment Factory side? Yeah. Well, I mean... Uh Back up to January 2020, I was in uh, Japan. I traveled for the last three years uh, to Japan five, six times a year. We had teams in China. We have an office in Singapore. So we were in this part of the world when, when stuff started happening. You know, we started hearing echoes and, you know, we'd heard of COVID in, in the media, but not as much as the people on the ground living it. Um, end of February, I was getting on a plane uh, to Japan and our office director in Japan says, I don't know if you want to get on the plane. And it was the morning up. I was waking up. It was 4 a.m. Uh, I was on my way to the airport. And he says, you might not want to come. And I said, well, I have to come. I mean, the project I'm delivering is, is, requires me to be there. I was going for four days. And that, that was the rhythm pre-COVID. I would get on a plane, go to Japan, four-day meeting, fly back. You know, seems kind of crazy now because I don't think I would ever do that again. You know, travel around the world for four days. Um, but that was the reality we were in. Uh, I ended up landing in Tokyo, and uh, in the time I was in the air, we were dealing with a, a major marketing company uh, in, in Tokyo, and during the flight, uh, their office, 4,000 employees in a huge tower decided to shut down. Uh, one of their groups had been on like a party boat entertaining clients, COVID happened, spread uh, and then all of a sudden they could you know the office was was compromised so the reason for going then it put me I, I did my first COVID zoom meeting 
in Tokyo from our office with clients in Tokyo in their homes. So that was, you know, at that point I knew something was, something was going awry. You know. uh, I got back from Tokyo, went straight to Los Angeles for another series of meetings. Um, and when we got back, this was March 8th, 9th, and um, our government shut everything down on March 12th. Uh, so at that point, offices were closed. We, as a company, felt it coming. We're, you know, much like here, we, we stay in tune with the government officials. So we had an idea this was coming. Um, very quickly, the office, you know, our IT department, we have 400 employees at this time, um, 400 graphic artists, visual artists, project managers, like architects, people working on very serious computers, doing very, you know, innovative work. Um, and over that weekend, we got everyone working from home on that Monday morning and then everything shut down, I think it was on the Tuesday. So we decided to, to be very sort of upfront about that and make sure that we weren't gonna get caught off guard. Um, so we were able to start working from home right away. Um, and then the months that ensued after that were essentially as a company deciding how we were gonna embrace this. And, and just the notion of, you know, we were doing it. Analysis and projections and we, like the V curve and it's gonna happen like this and we're gonna get out of it by August and then and then we're gonna get out of it by September. And then, oh, it's not a V curve, it's more like a check. And, you know, it's coming. and so we, we were doing all this with you know, very smart people working with us and analysts from around the world. But when we realized that we were in it for the long haul, we decided to rethink the way we, we worked. Um, so some contracts uh, finished quite abruptly. Um, a portion of what we do is live production for concert, touring events, special events, brand activations. That fell very quickly, but as a company, we're, we're very diversified. We do multimedia installations in airports and casinos and master planning for cities, and so we have a very, very diverse roster of, of projects, and that's what ultimately kept us, kept us going. Um, but for a while, everything stopped. So we decided to start these internal projects. We, the, the, the leadership of our company, the three, the three owners, challenged us and said, okay, the world has changed. How do you propose we go forward? And this challenge was given to everyone. So leadership, uh, our senior level of leadership, right down to um, you know, the graphic designers and the people who are actually creating the art, the lawyers, the communications, the, the fiscalists. The, so everyone had this new mission. And we were given, like, I think it was like three weeks, to pitch projects internally on how we were going to get through this. And we put a team together to evaluate all those projects. I've led five, three of which were turned down, one of which was called remote integration. And we'll get back to that a little bit later because that's what we just lived right now. So I, I spearheaded a team internally to think of how we could remotely integrate our projects, either with zero people on the ground or with a limited team on the ground. Um, we've just tested the, the latter, the second version of that, with a limited team on the ground. Um, so that was, yeah, I guess that's, that was a very, a lot of words, right? But, um, <laughs> but essentially, we, we did look inwardly to start, and so even before recontacting clients, we wanted to make sure that we had a good grasp on how we could do what we do um, in an effective way, in a sustainable way, um, and, and not only for the short term. The mission that the, the partners gave us was, yes, COVID is the reason for now, but there might be other reasons. You know, sustainability was another thing. So we, we came at it with that approach of how can we be leaner, more cost effective, um, more time effective? How can we invest more on the stage? You know, how can the energy that we put into a show make its way to what you as an audience would see and not end up, you know, in 
rafts of paperwork and approvals and you know time on airplanes instead of time on the ground working. So um, yeah, so it was a very interesting uh, two two three months. So. So just for context, you know, mm -hmm. there's the two of you and there's been two others from Moment Factory from Montreal here mm -hmm. with us for the last few weeks installing this project. But had COVID not happened, how many people do you estimate, estimate you would have been asking us to bring from Montreal? If This would have been easily 25 people would have flown in, yep. which seems ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous, you know, just getting to the airport, taxis at the time. I want an upgrade, I don't want an upgrade. Oh, is this is a hotel, like you're dealing with so many people. And it's like, yeah. and that was our life and it still will, might be, but um, yeah, it's an hour four. It's a lot easier to manage. Yeah. We get invited to more dinners now, you know? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> when we were 25, it was like, ugh, just send them some pizza. But now, <laughs> but now we, you know, we get, yeah, we've tasted some, some of the fine aspects of Adelaide for sure. Yeah. <laughs> So do you want to take us through the process of, of making this project yeah, from, your, sure. from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, uh, so, so Gabriel and I work with um, uh, within a team internally called the Format Team, but Moment Factory developed, so aside from the client projects that we have, we've developed a range of projects in-house that are our creations. Um, one of them is called the, um, the uh, Lumina brand, so it's Lumina Enchanted Night Walks. And these are a series of, uh, of experiences that have existed for the past uh, eight years. Gabriel was the founding father of, uh, of, the, uh, of the Illumina, or the, sorry, the Illumina Night Walks. Um, the images you see here are from uh, permanent installations in, in France. Um, the one on the right is from uh, sort of the, the baby brother or sister of, of what we did here of Light Cycles. So that was in Bentonville, Arkansas. Um, this is a project in Iojima, near Nagasaki in the south of Japan. Um, so this has been on for, they're going into their fourth season right now. Um, we have Crystal Bridges on the right, and then uh, the Toronto Zoo. So we did uh, a project there uh, called Terra Lumina. Um, so these are just a variety of, of shows, and this last one was in Whistler, British Columbia, which is you know, something similar to the, the, the very tall trees that we might see here in, in the gardens, you know. The beauty of what we do is we, we travel around the world, work with nature, every canvas is completely different um, and, and quite inspiring. But normally we get to go visit those canvases and, and take measurements for ourselves uh, and so on. So this time it was, it was very much about, um, about building that team. How are we gonna do it without being there? Um, and quickly Rachel and Lee built a team to support us. Um, but even before building the team, I think we spent so much time just figuring out, can this work? Like, do we trust each other enough to then build a team on either side? Um, and you know, I know this is a festival of ideas, but there's no magic here. There's no fantastic idea. It's, it's all about trust and communication and uh, a little bit of compassion, a little bit of understanding, empathy. What, what, are, you, what are you guys living? What, what are we living? And so these are just like fundamental you know, values that we had to just remind ourselves of before going forward. And then once we agreed on that, because uh, uh, even taking these projects, which are permanent installations, we had never done a temporary project on this level for a multitude of reasons. I mean, it's tough. <laughs> um, you know, the, 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 the model has to work. You have to have, you know, ticket sales and people to come see it. Um, and when we do a permanent project, we can build that over time. I mean, we had no time here. It was like no. the gates open and it has to be full. 
Um, so that was, there was a lot, there was a lot going on there. Uh, Can I, and then yeah. also there was that we were a brand new event. I mean, we, yeah. we didn't have a, a history, you know, the, the, the yeah. festival in the French is 60 years old, we were creating something new, yeah. who were we? Yeah. So to actually, um, for Moment Factory and the guys to trust us and to yeah. trust in our leads and my vision, uh, I think that came, you know, it, we were so grateful and that came after yeah. a lot of conversation and a lot of, of coming together, mm -hmm. really, wasn't it? You know, creatively Absolutely. and artistically, knowing yeah. we were Because we Googled you. <laughs> we found some... Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. Uh, but we did. Uh, but it wasn't about that. I mean, it was about the discussions, obviously. Um, but then once the team expanded, then we, we fell into that workflow where we, we found vis-a-vis on our team. So the way we perceived it internally is that we work as a creative core, the core team, and then in the company, we've got centers of competencies. So we've got the multimedia, you know, the content team. We have the, the scenic team. We've got, ooh, that's all the architectures and all the, and then the, um, uh, the, the uh, sorry, the um, interactive team. Um, and so, so our, our teams are all divided up in like this. And the way we were talking about it internally to sell this to our peers and to the partners who were like, are you sure we're gonna do this? And we're like, yes consider the team in Adelaide another center of competency. They're in-house, and, and right now, they, could, they might have been, you know, they're on Zoom, they just happen to be on Zoom in the future, and uh, you know, it's either at night or during the day, so it was actually quite easy to, to get everyone on board, because things didn't change. We're all sitting in our living room, you know, wearing pants or not. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was like, that was it. So these were Zoom calls, and um, so we got to work with them. Uh, and then the process was essentially we had ideas, we would pitch it to Chris and, and Daniel and the team and Peter, and, um, and then they would work on it, we'd bounce back and forth. Um, so the first, uh, the first step for us is always working uh, in the black box. So we have a, a, a black box sort of room, uh, half the size of this space, where we test out our ideas. So we, we come up with the, the ideas for the zones, the ideas for the technical stuff. These were uh, tests that we ran very early for a zone here called Into the Sunset, which is down Murdoch Alley. Um, so we were testing colors here, different lighting uh, palettes uh, to see what, what it would look like, you know, with this notion of the, uh, of the backlit person. and. Um, you know, if you guys go on Instagram anytime in the next couple of days or go down, maybe come see us at the Botanic Gardens, uh, you'll, you'll be as beautiful as this, you know. Uh, so this was a test done uh, roughly four months ago. Um, another test was our <laughs> bamboo grove. <laughs> so we, we, we purchased, uh, I don't know. Looks quite different. Yeah, it looks quite different, a little less dense. <laughs> A little less dense. Bamboo's about that thick. But... but what this enabled us to do was, was to talk language. I mean, when you're projecting on a, on a surface or on a building or on something, it's, you know, it's flat and it's of little interest potentially. This here had, it's, you know, had character in itself. The canvas was see-through and everything was long and skinny. And um, yeah, so we, we developed this and then we lit it up you know, with some test images. And if you go on Instagram anytime soon or head out to the garden in the next few days, you'll see something that looks quite a lot like this. Um, then we threw the, um, we sort of threw all our, our ideas to Chris and the team. So what you're seeing here are images uh, from here. So before we did any, you know, life-size testing on the ground, uh, we threw the ball out to Chris and his team and he was like, okay, here's the real bamboo and this is what your test files look like here. And here's the lake that you want to put lights in and this is what it looks like here. 
and then here are your lasers in Murdoch Alley, and this is kind of what it's going to look like. So we, we at that point, we're able to evaluate, you know, do, do we have enough equipment? Is, is the language working? Are we going to create that immersive world that we want? Um, so we went down that path a little. Um, these were the first tests at the Palm House. Um, again, it's, it, it's evolved. In this version here, we had uh, haze and smoke atmosphere within the Palm House. And very quickly, the botanist said, a new? <laughs> you know, although these, you know, it's a very safe product, um, <laughs> these, these, you know, these trees and plants have been in there for hundreds of years, and, you know, we weren't going to mess with that ecosystem. So this was the one and only test I think we did there and, and decided not to go that route. So it became something else. You know, we had the atmosphere on the outside and, and more lighting on the outside also. So... Um, I might just interrupt yeah. you there, Matthew. What, I'm interested in what sort of language you were using between the two teams because um, when collaborating across mm -hmm. you know, cultures in a way here, uh, I can imagine that you know, there would have been some information coming from Gab mm -hmm. to Chris about what it, he was trying to achieve. I mean, Gab and Chris, maybe you, you want to pick it up here and take us through the kinds of conversations the two of you were having because... You're like kindred spirits in a way, the two of you mm -hmm. kind of trying to work towards a common outcome that you've clearly discussed before you get to this point of getting into the gardens and testing out colours and positions of lights and things like that. It's quite interesting because uh, as a lighting designer for me, uh, usually on a project you are the only lighting designer and you are not alone but you need to propose and then have the possibility to have another lighting designer, same as Chris, to have those type of discussion. And the first time we had this discussion was really interesting, sharing the same passion first. And after, start to discuss about our languages. Our languages, it's lights. We're working with, uh, with saturation of lights, with pixels, with stripe. And I, I think after a few, even few days, we, we were on the same page, talking the same languages, have the same reference. And uh, that was really interesting. I just sent up the call and I told my team, oh, wow. <laughs> It's so good. I feel I have like a, I have a, I have a brother on the other side of the world <laughs> where I can share and I can put and you know just to push boundaries, and that was really interesting. And it's all about trust. And you know the test that you show at the botanical garden that was uh, I think two weeks before we did our test. And for myself, I was okay. Let's do this. We. We're going to develop together this, uh, this project and we're going to elevate. It's all about uh, communication, connection, and share the same passion. And yeah, this is the way we started the project. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, I'm really inspired for the future because it's, uh, it's a different way of, of working in my profession at Moment Factory, we'll say. And Chris, did you feel that you immediately understood what what Gab and the team were trying to achieve, or was there a process for you of inputting um, you know, some thoughts and feelings that you were having about the site? Because we're working in a very site-specific way here, so mm. you, you're seeing the gardens in 3D, you're trying to communicate what yeah. the potential of the site is. Yeah, because there's a version of this project where we got a, a sort of surveyor to do a 3D scan of the entire garden, you know, and you guys could work in VR or something to see exactly what we're seeing, but that's very expensive, one thing, but we, we learned very quickly that there was, a, there was a trust there and a commonality there with sort of aesthetic and intention and sort of the emotion that the piece um, sort of required, I suppose. And I think for me, that was about 
sort of looking into your history a bit, looking at some of the videos of the other ones and seeing, sort of trying to go, okay, I can see what you guys are working towards here and I can see what we're trying to achieve here in Adelaide. I think the other thing is these pictures, like, they, they convey a lot, a thousand words apparently, but what, we, um, what isn't conveyed is the feeling of being there. That's something that you... Uh, that I sort of needed to try and use my words and my language to convey either that or we, there's a trust there where there are things that we can solve on site or where I might go, I see what you're doing here, but I think this might be a better way to achieve it. For example, the bamboo grove, traditionally with, with projection, you have a rectangular surface, say these walls here, so it's relatively easy to, um, to, to plan the sort of content mapping and how all of that rolls out. In that space, you've got I, I'd say oh, definitely three-dimensional, but it feels like more than that. There's an organicness there that can't be um, sort of conveyed. So there was a trust there where I was like, I think I know what you guys need to do. We're trying to go for the largest canvas, the most immersive space. Immersive was a word we used a lot, yeah, I yeah. think, yeah. Um, and, and natural as well. There was a sort of quality of wanting to make everything feel magical, hiding the lighting fixtures, hiding the projectors, hiding the speakers, and just having this sort of this magic appear in the space. And so there was a moment there where I was like, okay, I think you need to leave this with me. I'm gonna work out how we're gonna do this. Mm -hmm. we, had the, we had the content rolling along really quickly and I could go, all right, you know, we, you had your fantastic bamboo representation over there. <laughs> but um, I think that, that was one where I thought there was a lot of trust in that area, which was yes. awesome, so yeah. So you saw our bamboo and got worried is what you're saying. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> like, all right. I understand. It's not a tiki forest. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, at what point in this process, though, did um, you manage to convince Moment Factory that there were these competencies that you called them here in Adelaide? Like, was it research that you'd done on who we were? Was it was it the city and its history of presenting big things? Like, how did you do that? Because I. I remember this moment where we realised that there was a, the decision was in your hands, uh -huh. that we needed to work this way, we needed to reduce the number of people, we needed to even develop contingencies around what would happen if we couldn't get you into mm -hmm. the country, because we started this process nine months ago, the, the initial conversations, mm -hmm. at a time when we did not know there, was, there might be exemption processes for, for artists to come into the country. So um, talk to us a little bit about that, because you know, there was a real moment of decision, wasn't there? The white smoke at Moment Factory um, yeah. came uh, we, up and you decided to move ahead. Yeah, we, I mean, we had to step back at one point when we really truly understood what was before us. We stepped back and, and my only strategy in all projects is really just to consult, 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 and make sure that I have uh, not only, you know, our, us as a duo, as a, as a partner, you know, a leadership team for the project on board, but all levels of the company. So for me, it was stepping back and actually meeting with all the centers of competencies, people that we would be replacing by, you know, people like Chris. So I had to get, I, I, I went to get the buy-in of all these different teams and I reassured everyone along the way. So Gab and I sort of split off and he took care of the creatives and the creative directors and, and I took care of the, you know, the management and the fiscal people and then we sort of met in the middle with the, the more technical elements. Um, so once we had, the entire base on our side and trusting that we could do this and that we weren't replacing them forever but we were innovating and pushing and actually delivering something when you know if we don't do it this way we're not going to be do doing this project so we also gave them the ultimatum <laughs> you know it's like well if you guys want to do it you know this is the way it's going to happen yeah. uh, so there was also trust internally 
Travis, but also in creative uh, point of view, for me, uh, I was really impressed about the Carabas uh, mm, event yeah. you had one year prior, yeah. and uh, about the attendees, but also about the site, because our work, it's related to the inspiration of the site. Uh -huh. And this site of the Botanic Garden, it's so inspiring, mm -hmm. and better than I had expected, because I saw the site for the first time eight, eight days ago, <laughs> and it was a blast for me, because on picture, you, you can understand, but when I saw that, the site, I was really blow away. Mm -hmm. But basically, uh, when I saw Carabas and uh, put put me a, a good pressure to say, oh, wow, I was mm -hmm. not there for, for Carabas, but the picture I saw and the comments from the people uh, was a good uh, trigger force or like uh, something, a motivation to say, how can we succeed and do something really uh, beautiful on this fantastic, terrific garden. Mm -hmm. but, but basically, I was uh, bringing to my colleagues and say, we have a nice opportunity. It's, a, it's the first time in Australia, the, the garden look awesome. Mm -hmm. The festival, we have the chance to collaborate with people who know events, know lighting design. This is like really mm -hmm. rare. Sometimes you, the, the quality of the client will be not as, um, how to say it, important, or you know, this knowledge of how to do an event and how to understand the lighting design. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was some great point uh, I bring to my peers and say, okay, we have a wonderful opportunity, but mm -hmm. obviously, because of the COVID and the, 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 the challenges, we need to work diff differently for this one, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the site is clearly at the center of this, and I think it's worth saying at this point that you know, for us nine months ago, without knowing that we could do this in the Botanic Gardens, and hats off to the garden for mm -hmm. taking a big leap of faith here. And I think that does relate to the history of this city and the way that uh, events take place on an annual basis and festivals work in some of those public sites. And I think, Rachel, you have some experience of why that was possible in the gardens. I mean, I guess we were assessing whether we could do this, but we knew the garden would work, didn't we? Yeah, look, I was at um, Adelaide Festival when we did Fire Garden. Um, mm -hmm. And so I suppose I was on the side working on Illuminate Adelaide at the time and, and that sort of gave me the little light bulb moment, no pun intended, there to mm -hmm. what is what else is possible in the garden and, mm -hmm. and um, yeah. And the way that Adelaide would respond. Absolutely. And, it, I mean, the audience was so amazing and... and that was four days. I just thought, imagine what we could, you know, do in 17 and offer that sort of mm. extraordinary, um, different way of navigating too, I think. You know, Carabos was a beautiful, organic uh, mm -hmm. situation where you'd wander and it was in summer and, you know, I, we just really wanted to give something else creatively in winter, different experience mm -hmm. and really immerse yourselves in nature. And I think that's what this does as well. It's it's such a beautiful marriage of nature and technology and, you know, Illuminate is about art, light, music, technology and it, it just it just married so beautifully mm -hmm. and it's it's quite extraordinary. You sort of, you're just in a wonderland and it, and, and they just respect each other and I suppose that's what... You know, way back when we were looking at work, um, the respect that you you show in your work for the site that you're in mm -hmm. was what was really enchanting to us and mm -hmm. what was just so exciting to be able to... the possibility of having that here, so... Mm -hmm. So, to, having decided to go ahead, um, you know, you then had a view of the kind of team we would need to build on both sides yeah. in Montreal but here in Adelaide. Um, I wonder if you can elaborate a bit more about 
how we built this team and, and what you required of Adelaide and, and, uh, and our team, mm -hmm. led by Chris, um, to deliver for you uh, and how you replaced those 21 other people that would have flown out here with, with what, we, um, what, what team we put together here on site. Yeah, well, I mean, the starting point was essentially uh, looking at the team that we would build. Uh, and when Gab and I met the first time, we were like, okay, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it like we're starting a band. And the band is going to have this many people in it, or maybe this many people. And we weren't sure, but it definitely wasn't this many people, you know. So we, we, we approached our teams internally by saying, guys, you want to start a band? And it's going to be a small group. Uh, and we, I mean, like the company as a, as a whole on our, you know, on our HR website, we say we don't hire people, we cast people. You know, and, and that's what it is. It's about casting the right people for the job. So we actually internally, to, to make sure we have that, that core, um, so even before looking outwardly, we were like, okay, what is the minimum that we're going we're gonna to hit the road with on this tour, this around the world tour? Um, so we, we then decided that we could probably do it with five people. Uh, so we had the core team, plus what you're not seeing here is uh, Chloe Rondeau, who's uh, our Daniel Ferrassi, so our, our line producer on our end, just a fantastic, one of the most organized women. She just keeps us all in line, but anyway, it's just amazing work. Um, and unfortunately, she, she couldn't be here. She just didn't, didn't make the cut. <laughs> it was, we had to make choices, you know, and at that point it was about, okay, I, I can do this and this, and I'm going to do a bit of this, and you're going to do this and this and a little bit of that, and, you know, we just had to decide you know, what combination of people we wanted to bring. So right into the last minute, it was either me or her coming, and we didn't, we didn't quite know, you know, and it was sort of like, okay. And um, it, ended up, it ended up being me. Gab was always going to come, obviously, and our technical director and our motion designer. But so once we had that core team in place, then we looked at, okay, who would we typically have on our end? And then we just forwarded off to, at that point, Chris and Daniel, here's the list of people. Here's the level of, here's essentially the job descriptions that we have, the level of quality and efficiency and experience that we would expect from our employees. And then we left it with them. You know, so it was very clear. We had very detailed roles and responsibilities of what the local, I call it a local team back then, but now it's just the team, of what the team would be required to deliver. Um, and they just went about their business. And because the initial trust was there, I never doubted. Downstream, I never doubted at all, you know. Yeah, and I mean, I think we had to look at our team um, when we sort of uh -huh. st started talking, who were we going to put, um, you know, on our end? And, and also, there are slight, you know, nuances um, between countries of, you know, what a carpenter does or what a, a technician, you know, yeah. th there is a, a, a different role sometimes. So we had to really understand what was necessary Mm -hmm. and, and then we had to look at who in our team could, could fit those roles. So mm -hmm. I think it, it, it came from both sides, didn't it? What about compromise? <laughs> I mean, there must have been moments of compromise in the process where you thought, this is not what we would normally do, and then that trust really came into play? Or a good question, Lee. I don't know. Did we compromise? I think for me it was an opportunity than compromise. Yeah. Usually I have a lot of compromise about many challenges, but this time was like Christmas for creative people as me because the, those compromise was turned into opportunities. Yeah. And uh, mm. it's, uh, yeah, it was like a, a blessed project, I will say. Yeah. yeah Chris, I, think, I think we all lived it that way. It was just, we, we knew what we were getting into. So, I mean, out of the get-go, it was, I don't know, it was just... 
It wasn't even an uphill climb. It was just like, this is going to be something very different and we're going to have to be open to it. So honestly, I, do, I don't feel we compromised yeah. in anything, you know? And then usually a, a process, it's mostly um, 12 to 14 months and you work on mini project and it's really long, but this time we decided to do an intensity of creation focus. Instead of doing many things, we, uh, we agree mm -hmm. with the team and okay, let's, let's do one thing, but do it right. And this mm -hmm. one was uh, also a Eureka moment. Say, okay, I think now it's really simple. When you are dedicated and you are focused and you are a smaller team, uh, wow, everything is possible because you mm -hmm. can push boundaries instead of convince a lot of people with uh, a lo long timeline, a lot of meetings, a lot of argue. And now it's <laughs> looked like this time <laughs> that was less argue, more work. <laughs> let's do the thing, not talk about it. Let's do the thing. Let's go to the garden, test it. After we can talk, not like what if, what if, what if. And then it's like endless discussion. <laughs> but yeah, this one was really like, oh, wow, fresh air, breathing. Okay, this is the way <laughs> to do things. But yeah. Um, how much was this project um, a kind of salve for what you were going through in Montreal through this last nine months or so? I mean, you you were both in, in lockdown for a lot of this period. Mm -hmm. You were split up from your, your collaborators and your team on that side. Yeah. I mean, what did it mean to you to be doing a project and a project perhaps more on the kind of um, artistic side of what the company does rather than the, some of the more commercial work that yeah. you do around the world? I will say it's really, uh, for a creative brain, it's really uh, interesting. And uh, I think for the, for the future, it's gonna inspire the company also because our main uh, resources, it's creation. And this is really important to maintain after 20 years at Moment Factory, we celebrate our 20 anniversary. We come from like a really strong creative company, but as all the company in the world, you, you need to protect this essence. And now that was a good way. I think that's going to inspire our colleagues and peers to make sure we are protecting or make sure we can nurture this creativity. And now that was a great example. And the, all the feedback we received after two days from uh, like the premiere, I think it's really uh, promising now. I'm, uh, I think it's going to be great and mm -hmm. for sure going to inspire the, the rest of our team. Mm -hmm. And just knowing that we were, you know, the deadline was far enough. We were going to be traveling in six, seven months, which was, was, was just now. But even right up until we were in quarantine, and at one point we didn't know if we were going to be able to get mm -hmm. out. Uh, actually, Gabriel and I were here in Adelaide, but two of our team members were in Sydney. And at that point, you know, it was about re reapplying for exemptions. And, you know, everyone did everything the right way and in time, but even by doing it the right way, there was, a, there was a question, are we gonna get our motion designer on the ground and are we gonna get our technical director on the ground? Because then all of a sudden I go from doing two or three things to five or six things, three of which I have no idea how to do. <laughs> so it was a, even from, so this was about four days, this was a week into our quarantine. Uh, it was two days prior to our technical director getting out and three days before our motion designer flying in from Sydney. And we had, we had a meeting with, with, with your team and we we're like, okay, well, how do we do this if the news comes in tomorrow and they can't you know, get into to South Australia? So we had a plan for that. And I don't know that that would have led to compromise again. It just would have led to, to innovation and, and just refiguring out. So they would have likely stayed here to be in the same time zone. Like we wouldn't have not have flown them back. We would have kept them in the time zone. Uh, we would have ensured they had 
the highest quality internet access, obviously, not the free hotel stuff that you get that you, you, know, you can't watch Netflix if you want to. Um, so it was just like little, you know, we would work remotely and we've been doing projects remotely. We've, we've had teams working on the, um, on the Olympics in Tokyo, um, teams that have not been on the ground. We've built massive installations for the, uh, the Olympic Agora uh, and our teams did it all remotely, you know, just on spec. Uh, so as we prepared for that, Chris, you would have had to have been thinking about, well, really right from the beginning, mm -hmm. what kind of skill sets on our side of the team mm. that you needed to be able to prepare for all possibilities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, further to skill set, I think it was also that communication. Like, we very quickly established a common set of tools that were used to communicate. Mm -hmm. Email is one of them. Mm -hmm. I don't like email. I have to read them. Um, <laughs> uh, we used other software. We used, like, spreadsheets that we shared that we used as our master trackers of the whole the whole project we had every question that was fired back from either either side of the equator like went into that spreadsheet so everyone could read it very democratic process I think very quickly we we became one team mm -hmm. um, we used uh, like chat software like slack that sort of stuff so that we just had common common spaces where everyone could track how everything was moving so very quickly that, that became a very open process yeah. and that allowed us to communicate super clearly, super honestly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so in terms of skill, um, I sort of very quickly identified needing another lighting designer, sort of to I see to us, Alex Ramsey, who I work with quite a lot. He's down there now making things happen. Um, so he, he came on board and we also worked with our sort of creative technology partner, Novatech, who brought a lot of skill into the game as well. They basically designed all of the back-end networking, fiber runs, system stuff that allows us to be creative. So there's a version where we would have had to bring a lot of that in-house, and that means that at least my brain would have been split between that mm -hmm. creative role and that technical back-end systems role. But what, what having them on board meant is that I can focus on what I think I'm here to do, which is work with Gab. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They, they brought a lot of skill to the table, which was awesome. And great for them too, like such an opportunity to, mm -hmm. to work on a project of this scale across borders, yeah. something in the Botanic Gardens. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of their work tends to be a bit more rock and roll. So coming into a space that required a delicacy and a sensitivity and an elegance mm -hmm. was, I think, a really, really cool thing for them. Yeah. Mm. On the front end, yeah. I mean, it's if you, for those of you who will, obviously all of you will get there, right? Um, but we've had to... We, we have to respect the gardens visually, aesthetically, as well as botanically, and, and not you know plant things into the ground and trample on on, on, on super sensitive foliage and stuff. But um, I mean, the job did a the, the team did a fantastic job hiding stuff with with the natural environment. So we worked with the botanists on site, and they were actually getting clippings from trees and branches from the area to come and help you know hide the equipment. Uh, so that, I mean, the aesthetic part and all that was done, but the system that was developed, and that was an important part for us. And again, it was, we sent essentially the recipe, and in a regular world, we would have sent our equipment, our team, our integrators, and they would have delivered that, and they would just know what, what, what we need to do. So we then had to decide, okay, you know, break apart what it is that we need, send it to them as, as sort of like a, a rider, you know? So come back to the band analogy. When a band is on the road, they send a list of what they want in the dressing room, and they want warm socks, they want six beers, and they want, you know, red M&Ms. So that's what a band would do. So we essentially sent what we, what we need technology, you know, in regards to the technology for this to work, and then we just let them do it, you know? 
So M&Ms were replaced by Smarties and the wool socks were replaced by really wicked Australian boots. And, you know, so there were, there were equivalencies, but we, we trusted that those would work um, and trusted because of the quality of the work that, you know, both Novatech and you guys are delivering on, 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 you know, here and throughout Australia. So, so it was that. And, you know, our teams at home were like, but are you sure it's not our system? Yes. And we're like, yeah, we're sure because we trust them and they've done other amazing things, you know? So, uh, so very quickly. The first day was quite impressive. Yeah. We just arrived like in the first day of integration and everything was connected, was working. And it's a good part to be, it's a good time because after mm -hmm. you can focus on creation and you are not focusing on technical details. Yeah. But uh, it was great uh, to see, okay, first day of integration, we have it the in front of us to make uh, this uh, artwork uh, mm -hmm. really uh, special. Yeah, and in the background of that, there's a team. I mean, we have the HQ. It's, it's, a, it's a massive room with computers and walls. It looks like NASA mission control. We have cameras <laughs> in every zone. If we have an issue, the guys are like, go to camera four, zoom into camera four. Light number <laughs> 6.2 is, and they're just like, and you've got this, this kid, Rowan. I'm talking about individuals now, but this, he's like the smartest kid I've ever met. I say kitty, I don't know how old he's, 23, 24? No, like 27, 20, 28. Okay, whatever. <laughs> he's a kid. He's an amazing <laughs> kid. And he was just, he'd just sit there and like, go for Rowan. <laughs> Check. <laughs> and then like everything we asked for was done. You know, Rowan caught a, caught a, caught a flu or a, you know, he was gone for three days. And at one point I was like, what? why is this not happening quite as fast? And he's like, oh, Rowan's gone. I'm like, Rowan's gone. Let's get him back here, you know, boost him <laughs> vitamin C. And anyways, Rowan's back. Things are, things are going well. Mind but, you, when he was away, he was also remotely connecting yeah. into the machines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'd see things happening on the screen. It's like... Yeah, from his cell phone in bed. Yeah. So, <laughs> which is the miracle of technology, you know, uh, quite honestly. But yeah, no, there was never... I mean, it's just... I mean, thank you so much, yeah. honestly. It's it's just phenomenal that we were able to uh, yeah to do it mm. to do it like this and to do it on this level you know um, so if there's anything we're not surprised by that that was what we were hoping for expecting but we're so reassured you know last night we we had 6,500 people come through the site it's kind of kind of epic and uh, at the end of the night we had to make adjustments you know there's a, there's a lot of people and a lot of people taking more time in the experience that we had thought. So that caused, you know, backups and stuff, which is learning curves. And uh, we sat down as a team and, and debriefed. And uh, I looked towards, you know, Daniel at one point. I said, so we agree on this? We agree on the way we're going to get through this? And he's like, yep. And I met with Ian, who's uh, another, you know, of their, of their partners in this. And I said, we all agree on this? And he said, yep. And I said, so Gab and I can walk away and leave you to it? And they were both like, Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and we walked away, and, and not because we wanted to walk away, and not, but it was important for us to do that. It was important for us to sort of just walk away, because we're going to walk away. He flies out tomorrow, I fly out to New Zealand in two days, and this is going to go on for three weeks or two weeks, and uh, we just have to know that it's going to happen. So whether we walked away in three days or, or yesterday, uh, it had to happen, so we, we did. And uh, yeah, we have plenty of solutions. The team's on the ground right now. And tonight it's going to be a, a little bit of a different experience, you know, to cater for these, these, these huge crowds and people that want to spend a little more time that we had originally planned in the zone. Yeah. And just for context, you know, how does that kind of number of people relate to some of the other Lumina projects? And I think 
gap you were saying before it's 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 more people than you're yeah, used like to which surprised like, me uh, it's the bolder people yeah. sometimes like the big nights it's going to be 3000 people yeah now uh 6500 people it's a lot of people yeah. mm. and uh something was quite interesting in the process we decided to uh with uh, with you guys to evaluate uh, how many people we will have in the path and make sure what we're designing is going to be good for a large crowd has 6,000 per night. And mm. some decision was to, okay, let's do nothing on the floor because no one's going to see it because we're going to be so much in the path. Mm -hmm. mm. But for sure, for us, it's really impressive. I think it's the, it's the biggest crowd we just never had. Mm -hmm. And yesterday, I was quite impressed uh, about all of those people. <laughs> and then when people was waiting, I was uh, feeling, uh, uh, you know, a little bit sad. I said, okay, we need to fix that because I want to make sure people can enjoy the experience and they can have their... Their, their own moment of like to be uh, immersed and connect with nature. Uh, but basically, uh, this is something we will uh, adjust for sure. Yeah. So we're going to move to some questions shortly. So if, if you would like to ask a question uh, of anyone on the panel, please just move to the microphone in the middle of the auditorium. Um, I guess I wanted to ask one last question myself about how much did it mean having prepared for every eventuality for possibly not even being on the ground here mm -hmm. in Adelaide, how much did it mean that you could be? And what did that mean for the process? Like, I I know that the, the, you, Chris, and Gab did a lot of work together on site once you could actually see the gardens, once you actually mm -hmm. really got a sense of how big those trees are in the Australian forest. Yeah. Um, how much did that mean to really be on the ground and doing it in real life? Yeah, I think um, for sure, what I had expect or envisioned in my head, I think when I arrived here was even better because everything was more impressive. Mm. But yeah, I think, um, you know, I think the, the way we set the, uh, this uh, collaboration, we can do it remotely, but will be for sure not uh, as rewarding to be here mm. and to understand and to appreciate. But basically, yeah, that was it. And after to continue like the great work we did, myself and Chris and the rest of the team, just together when we arrive in integration, now that was great because again, uh, to have another lighting designer eyes with me was really great. And sometimes I was really stuck in, in like in the, in the details and I don't have like distance. And I call, okay, Chris, come here. I just need your, your thought on that. And then we just bounce together as lighting designer regard lighting designer and say, okay, maybe this can be enhanced this way, and that was really interesting, this part. Mm -hmm. yeah. but, but for sure, to be on site, it's, uh, it's really... I think yeah. such, such a huge part of it is transferring that, so, you know, Moment Factory are, are the creators and created this and, and went forward, and, but now where we're at now, it's, it's, it's that shared ownership of the project. You know, so now we, we feel we can walk away because we know that he's seeing stuff through our eyes, we're seeing things through, through his reality, and, and that shared ownership has now enabled us to, to know that even if, you know, even when we do, you know, walk away, if there's an issue with a, a light here or there, he'll know where to tune into, you know, and, and I say you and he, but the whole team, you know, and that's this, the, seeing the team on the ground, sort of like walking the site and picking up, you know, a, a dirty mask or a, or a, a wrapper of something, just the care that has gone into this um, is a testament to that shared ownership, the shared sense of pride in what we've created as a team. So, yeah, I think that that would have been difficult to, um, to evaluate, I guess, if we hadn't been here, uh, or to instill in the team. 
you know. So if I'm walking the site and I decide to, as, as producer, uh, to pick up a branch that I think is a danger, a trip hazard, it's just ugly, you know, and drag that all the way to the compost pile, well, then the next time, you know, that technician I've walked with will walk the site, he'll likely pick up a piece of garbage or a branch that seems dangerous and should be brought elsewhere. So it's, it's, it's about, yeah, instilling that, that level. So do you think after what we've done here and the, and the pandemic in general, you know, what is Moment Factory now thinking about in terms of how it might present work? Moving to Adelaide is what we're thinking right now. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Quite honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Shipping my family here <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we, I think we have a lot to think about, and we have a lot to bring back to our team um, uh, as a company. I mean, there, there will always be multiple speeds at which our company will operate. We can't, you know, develop a, an airport uh, multimedia presentation system with five people, you know, in, in this way. That would never happen. There's, yeah. So there's, there's different projects that will require different ways of doing things. Yeah. Just I think, I think the learnings, it's, uh, it's, uh, we have talented people all around the world in mm -hmm. our industry. And the learnings for me, it's, uh, for sure, it's work. And let's develop those, those collaboration mm -hmm. in each country because we do some other uh, work mm -hmm. on other country. But now we have a great case study mm -hmm. to go see our peers and say it's feasible just to be not 25 to fly here because talented people are all around the world. Even our, in our company, we have people come from all around the world. Let's do those connections and it's going to be mm -hmm. more worth it. And same Mathieu has explained, you have more in the production value when, when you're doing this. I think it's more, um, mm -hmm. it's, it's good for everyone, for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Questions? Um, Firstly, I loved going last night to Light Cycles, and I was one of the ones that took their time. So, <laughs> and I and I wanted to add that I think it added to it. So I didn't really mind the waiting at all because it gave us a chance to process what we just saw and get uh -huh. excited for the next one. So um, I didn't mind that at all. Um, I just had a question about what inspired you to start making immersive works to start with. I think. Mostly like the inspiration was the nature and, and basically uh, um, for the light cycle experience, uh, we were inspired by the natural phenomenon, but the, as a lighting designer, I was really interested about the scientific principle of lights. And for each uh, artwork, we have seven. They are all based on the scientific principle of lights. If we're talking about, uh, about uh, suspended light, but it's about uh, light scattering, the way like the lights go into the clouds and create some diffusion for into the sunset was uh, atmospheric refraction, the way you see the sunset from far. But usually all of those inspiration, they are just starting uh, thinking, just make sure you have a narrative and after you can extrapolate and you can make sure it's relate. And sometimes we had some effect and it was too, too close of the entertainment and we decided to reduce it and make sure it's always connect to nature. Uh, I think the only one was more or less connect to nature, it's the heart, it's the glass canopy at the end, but because we have those beautiful vegetation inside and the music creates something, uh, it's like a, it's, a, it's a joy or like a, an homage at the, uh, at the nature, I will say. And then just the notion of immersion, you know, we use that immersive and, you know, every reporter has asked us, well, what does that mean, you know? And, um, we, we, we worked for years in concert halls and touring bands and arenas where that base canvas is the same for every artist. So you're always fighting against 
a place to play hockey or football or baseball. So that is, becomes your base canvas. And it's really not a fantastically inspiring canvas for, for creating art. Um, so when uh, we, we started the Lumina series of projects um, about nine years ago, Gab and, and the team of creators at that point were brought out to solve a, a logistical challenge, uh, an architectural challenge. They had this magnificent suspended bridge in this uh, provincial park, and they wanted to light up the bridge, you know, which is another putting lights to light up architecture. So you have an architect who worked hard to develop something, and it's beautiful as it is during the day, and then the park want to generate revenue at night, so they're like, problem, we need revenue, solution, we need lights, call Moment Factory. So we came in, and when they walked to the bridge, they were like, yeah, this bridge is fantastic, but look at all that. That's way better than the bridge. So that project quickly became not a bridge illumination, but an illumination of the, of the, of the natural environment. And when I came to the company, I came in and I, I was delivering concerts. You know, Arcade Fire, Billie Eilish, Halsey. You know, that's the level we were, were working on, the killers. I mean, just, and that was fun for me working with artists at that level they're at their A-game, their teams are the best in the world because, you know, they're on that level. And I did that for three years and then I was invited by this team to come over and play in the forests and I haven't regretted it a day because all of a sudden the base canvas that you're working with is beautiful. You're not working in an ugly arena or a black box or... So creating immersive environments when all you have to do is turn on a light, you know, and, and show what, what is naturally there, become, it's the, it's, the greatest, it's the greatest set of tools yeah. ever. I mean, I, I see him working in this, and I work with other people working in arenas and stuff, and I'm like, uh, I think he's having more fun, you know? <laughs> yeah. Hope that answered your question. Thank you. Yeah. So I think it's uh, about time for us to wrap it up there. I guess I'd finish by saying, um, I think for, for me, and I think it's the same for Rachel, uh, a collaboration of this level on this scale has been incredibly re rewarding. I think you can probably feel the love in the room between our two, <laughs> our two teams, but um, I think it also offers a real uh, beacon of hope for how you know, projects not just on this scale, but of smaller, uh, medium scale projects and mm -hmm. how we will approach the way we put our programs together um, across closed borders and internationally in particular. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you to, to Moment Factory and to you, you, Chris, for, for making that possible in our first program. Um, and um, maybe we could finish by just thanking all of our panelists. Um, thank you.